0: To the City Church podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website www.thecity.sg. Uh, last week, I uh, did week two of our brand new sermon series, People of the Spirit, and I talked about this stew that I make on occasion, the Guinness Beef Stew. Really, really nice. Uh, it's one of my favorites. Uh, and so I'm actually doing a tutorial or a stew if you will, uh, after the service. And it's going to be on our Instagram and Facebook page. Highly encourage you to check that out if you're keen on learning how to make stew or just want to observe Andre cooking and be impressed by all of that. Uh, that's available for you after the service. But yes, we are on week 3 of our brand new sermon series, People of the Spirit or POTS, if you will. Now, uh, the whole idea of this series is for us to read Galatians chapter 5 and uh, explore the various aspects of the fruit of the Spirit and how it is actually contrasted and how it's actually well differentiated from much of the response and the reactions of the world that we're seeing around us today. And so this is week three. Let's uh, begin by reading a couple of passages of scriptures. This will be the teaching text for today and then we'll begin in a word of prayer. All right. Let's read God's word together. Reading from 2 Corinthians chapter six, verses three to ten, says this in God's word We put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making rich, Having nothing and yet possessing everything. Let's read another passage of scripture from Galatians chapter five, verse twenty-two. It says, "This but the fruit of the spirit is joy." Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, this is indeed the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, in spite of all that we may face today, Lord, there is reason for us to rejoice. There's reason for us to shout, to be glad, to sing. For God, you are good. and Your goodness, your faithfulness is so evident even in the stories of our lives. God, we thank you for all that you have done in our lives up to this point. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives even in this moment. And God, our hearts rejoice and respond to you, your presence, with gratefulness, with sincere hearts of thanks, of praise. We give you praise and glory this morning and god we pray even as we dive into your word speak to us in a brand new way today we ask all these things in your name amen now almost a year ago uh, my life group and i went on a trip to penang Uh, we ate way more than we should on that trip i remember we had an average of three breakfasts a day maybe two or three lunches two dinners and then drinks at night we easily had like 10 meals all through a day and we ate way way too much and i remember you know uh, one of the places we went to was this really nice cafe at air conditioning it was a really hot day i remember and when we walked in air conditioning was going full on it was really nice really chill and we found a table a large wooden table that could accommodate our entire group there was something like 10 of us on that trip and so that table uh, could well fit all 10 of us and we sit it seated together and then we looked up and there was a skylight. The light was shining down the table. It was really nice, really beautiful. I ordered um, a cup of coffee, brilliant coffee, and then I had a poppy seed bagel with kaya on it. So it was beautiful. It was like the, the, it's like a uh, east and west kind of like collide together. it was beautiful. It was amazing pastry. So it was a great day, you know nice atmosphere. All of us were there, enjoying each other's company. really happy, really nice place. And I also remember, you know, as we were sitting down and as we were just hanging out, uh, some of the conversations that actually took place, even as we were gathered together, I remember uh, midway through our time there, you know, the conversation shifted towards uh, slavery and injustice and the unfair, unjust treatment of foreign domestic workers in Singapore and we went on that tangent for some couple of hours and I remember at one point feeling this weight and this heaviness in my heart and just feeling all that pain that kind of sorrow in my soul even as we talked about much of the injustice that is still going on in the world and it's so interesting right now that right there is what it means to live in the world right that in a world that is beautiful that is good that is joyful and happy, filled with good things that we enjoy. There coexists a reality that is true, or even more true for some, that of evil, destruction, pain, and sorrow. So, even as we talk about joy today, we know there are many things in the world that will make us joyful, yet at the same time, there are many things in the world that will make us sorrowful. It is in this world where It's one of sorrow and joy that we are led to ask this question. Is joy, Christian joy, just a feeling that we oscillate to and fro from? Is it just a feeling that comes and then goes, largely determined by the present situation or circumstance? Or is it something that we honestly have control or have no control of? Is joy something more than just fleeting feelings? It's with that, that I'm led back to Paul's line in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. In this text that we just read at the start, Paul is describing right this different traits and these different circumstances that Christians go through. And in many ways, our reaction and our response in these moments kind of determine who we are. This is who we are. This is what We are to be known for as Christians, people who stay resolute in spite of going through all these things. This is what distinguishes us from the rest. And Paul even adds in this line at the start, right? He says, this is so that we will not be discredited. This is what gives us authenticity as a community of faith. And he says this, that we are to remain unoffended almost through all these circumstances. Through troubles, hardships, distresses, beatings, imprisonments, we are to remain steadfast in love in hope in truth but i want to draw your attention to this short line in verse 10 where paul says this we are to be sorrowful yet always rejoicing sorrowful yet always rejoicing now there can't be two uh, things that are as opposed and as different from one another there are sorrow and joy but what paul is essentially saying is that we are to live almost in this tension of pain, frustration, even suffering, sorrow, yet still be rejoicing, yet still be happy and hopeful. Now the word for rejoice there in the Greek could translate to cheerful, to be glad, to be joyful, to be well and to thrive. And notice Paul in that line uses the word always, to always be rejoicing. In some other translations, it translates to unceasing, perpetually, on every occasion. Now, if I'm reading this right, Paul is calling for the church, for all of us, for people who profess faith in Christ, to live up to this near impossible command, to be joyful, to be glad, to be happy, to be well, to thrive always, even in times of sorrow and grief. For week three of our sermon series on the people of the spirit, I'd like to speak to you on the subject of a defiant joy. Defiant joy. Now, many of us would know of the horrific attack in Paris, France, on the 13th of November, 2015. Some 130 people were killed in suicide bombings and shootings in what has become the worst attack on French soil in more than half a century. Not a ban you two we are all familiar with U2, uh, was set to perform in Paris on November 14 and was in the middle of rehearsing when the attack happened. Now, after rescheduling to the following month amid uh, the terror attacks, Bono, the group's frontman, had this to say when he was asked why the band was so adamant about going back to Paris so soon, even as the memories, the painful memories of the attack still laid fresh on the minds of the French citizens. And he said this, he said, rock and roll, is a life force. It's joy as an act of defiance. Joy as an act of defiance. Now that is such a killer line, right? And of course I can't substantiate and give you strong biblical support for that first line about rock and roll. Uh, maybe, you know, the rock that has rolled away, whatever have you. But that second line, joy as an act of defiance, that is so strong. And I also believe it is biblical in many ways. Joy isn't just a kind of feeling or a disposition that you're born with it is an act of one's will it is defiance even in the face of circumstance trials and challenges even in the face of the evil that we're seeing around us today now i added a descriptor in front of the fruit of the spirit that is joy because i believe that is exactly the kind of joy that is needed and called for in this time In this moment, it's what would distinguish the church from the world in this time, a defiant joy. a kind of joy that isn't defined or determined by external circumstances, but it is strong. It is full of resolve. It stands firm even in the midst of suffering and pain. And what Paul would suggest is that this kind of joy, joy in the midst of sorrow, is what would lend authenticity and weight and credibility to the people of God. Now, I can't think of a more crucial moment to talk about joy like this one. In an article in The Straits Times titled Mental Health Fallout, How COVID-19 Has Affected Those in Singapore, CNN reported that calls to the United States Disaster Distress Helpline has spiked some 891% in March year on year. In China, hundreds of hotlines have sprung up and they are constantly being inundated with callers In Singapore, the national care hotline set up to offer extra support has seen more than 6,600 calls by the end of the month since its launch in April. Now, experts all agree that this is just the tip of the iceberg of what would be a mental health crisis, a global mental health crisis. With the looming recession, with uh, the economic fallout, with much of the uncertainties that are ahead of us, numbers will continue to escalate. All this to say, the road ahead Will be full of challenge and trial. And what will be needed is joy. Not just the emotional feeling of happiness, but that which is resilient, resolute, defiant. It isn't defined or determined by external circumstances, but flows out from an internal reservoir. Now, what is happening in our culture now is that many of us are confronted with the fragility of cultural happiness. The idea that is I will be happy when I get what I want, I can build for myself or I can self-engineer a life that is of happiness, that is of joy. And much of what we have previously bought into as happiness, uh, our career, security, leisure, ease, autonomy, provision, much of, which, of that which we have thought our happiness uh, can be built upon or where we draw and, and, and derive our happiness from much of it is being stripped away in this moment and as a result our happiness happiness of our society and culture has been shattered and this leading us into a time of disappointment right this happens when you set your happiness on something and you no longer have access to it this is where despair can begin to creep in but what if this disappointment isn't something that we are to avoid but it is somewhat of a friend it is a kind of emotional signal to our bodies to our souls that our hope was misplaced and what if what's happening right now we are being made uh, suddenly aware of the transient fleeting nature of that which we have previously put our hope in and this time this moment is a time for us to realign to rediscover where our joy And happiness ought to come from it's not in the things of the world but in god and his kingdom now as i talk about joy for some of you this idea of joy comes really easily and naturally to you right you're the kind of person who wakes up always on the right side of bed you greet the sun you greet the day with a smile you see rainbows everywhere you are nice positive optimistic you are a happy person now i on the other hand am the complete opposite i do not identify with being happy at all Most days I wake up really sad, I will identify being a person who is more melancholic, um, definitely a whole lot more negative and critical. And so for me, joy seems elusive and completely out of reach. But yet when scripture talks about joy, it doesn't talk about it primarily as a feeling, a disposition, or even a personality type. It talks about it as a decision an act of one's will in some translations it speaks of it as a command you are to do it consider paul's letter to the church of philippi which has the word joy or rejoice appear some 16 times in this really short letter and how he was joyful and rejoicing and desired for his readers his church to rejoice and to do so also now consider also that this letter was written when he was in prison most probably facing beatings, illness, hardships, and starvation. He wrote of joy, and he called for all around him to rejoice, and he spoke of how he rejoiced, how he was filled with this sincere gladness in his heart, even in the midst of the most trying circumstances. And he writes this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, familiar text, he says this, Rejoice in the Lord always, again I will say, rejoice. Now, this was before the Gutenberg Press, before Bo, italics, highlighters. In that day and age, the only way to place emphasis on your point was to tell your audience to tell your audience that this is very important, was to repeat it again and again. And what Paul is essentially saying is that this is important. You are to pay attention to this line. Rejoice in the Lord. Always and again I say rejoice and this is to say especially so in circumstances we are to rejoice we are to up our rejoicing we are to fill up our joy tank we are to be even more dignified in our praise i love this definition of joy from john tyson john tyson says this christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the holy spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of god in the word and in the world It enables us to respond to external circumstances with inner contentment and satisfaction because we know that God will use these experiences to accomplish his work in and through our lives. It anticipates a glorious future of salvation and restoration. Now we know that to be the Jesus kind of joy, don't we? There's so much more than just happiness. But not any lesser than that it's more than happiness but it's not any lesser but it's also this pervasive sense of hope that is deep that is strong that is consistent even in the face of trial and tragedy it is defiant bible says this about jesus it says this in hebrews chapter 12 for the joy so set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of god just think about that for a moment jesus was filled with joy he had joy even as he endured the sufferings of the cross how can one man be so filled with gladness with contentment with fulfillment even as he went through the most terrific trial tragedy and suffering jesus was filled with joy how does one come to joy in the midst of suffering. I think that's a question that many of us are asking ourselves in this time, right? How can I still be joyful, rejoice, be glad even as I see the sufferings all around me, even as I come to terms with the discomfort, the pain and and the, the grief that I'm feeling in this time? How can I rejoice? How can I be glad? How can I be sorrowful yet always rejoicing? Now, Jesus, in spite of being betrayed, in spite of going through suffering, in spite of going through the cross, had joy, a defiant joy. And in the book of Matthew, we read of this account of Jesus praying to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, this was moments before he was taken away and eventually led up to the cross. And we read of Jesus' uh, anguish and reluctance to embrace the cross in that text. It says this in God's Word. Then Jesus went with this, his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. in verse 42 it says he went away a second time and prayed my father if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless you drink it may your will be done now in that text you know, we see jesus modeling what it means to be emotionally healthy and whole right he expresses the, this deep uh, lament and anguish in his soul. it says that he was sorrowful he was overwhelmed With pain, with anguish. And we often think of Jesus as this uh, stoic person with no emotions, with no feelings. But Jesus, in that text, expresses this deep, visceral emotion that was filling his heart. He was scared, he was fearful, he was in pain and anguish. And the text goes on to describe how Jesus uh, expressed that anguish, but eventually came to a kind of resolution to do the Father's will. And we know scripture tells us that he, for the joy so set before him, endured the cross. And then through this story, you know, we see Jesus kind of goes through uh, a few stages before he comes to uh, this eventual defiant joy. The first stage he comes to was this: he came to terms with uh, reality. He came to terms with reality of what is needed to be done to accomplish the Father's will, what he has to go through the pains that he has to endure. He comes to terms with reality, and next he struggles. He struggles with the cost. He struggles with the intensity of it. If it's your will, God, take this cup away from me, which is a metaphor for suffering. I do not want a part of this. He struggles with the cost and with the intensity of that price. And next... He surrenders, right? He surrenders. He says, "No, I surrender my will to you, o God. I, I, not my will, but yours be done, O God." He shifts, right, from understanding, from from coming to terms with that. Cause he moves to a place where he desires, where he pushes aside, where he puts aside his own will in order to do the will of God. And next, he resolves. He resolves in his heart to obey, to do the Father's will. And at the end of that he experienced defiant joy for the joy so set before him he endured the cross and now let's explore this cycle uh, real quickly first of all to enter into joy that kind of defiant joy we have to first live and face reality consider the words of the apostle peter he says this in all this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Note that Peter in that text was honest about the external realities. We will go through trial. We will experience grief. Yet, at the end of the text, we see that he is able to hope and rejoice for he is confident of what is to come, that Christ will be revealed. There is a reality in our hearts through the Spirit that enables us to get a kind of foretaste of what is to come. And even though there's grief, trials, and persecution, we are still able to delight deep within our souls. And that is the gift of joy through the Holy Spirit, that though we endure, though we go through various trials and circumstances, there can be a deep hope within us through the Spirit because we know that that is not the end of the story. There is more to the story. The Jesus kind of joy is a defiant joy. It is not blind optimism. Joy says I can be informed, I can go through suffering, I can go through trials and tragedy, yet I can still remain unmoved, hopeful, resolute in joy. See, our faith can look like declaring and speaking against stuff and and binding and loosing and interceding. That is a legitimate and I believe a core expression of our faith. But at times our faith can also look like not being moved, being somewhat unfazed by the plans, by the attacks of the enemy, being unshaken in our faith, in our hope, in our resolve. Not in the sense of ignorance or carelessness. It's not denying the presence of a problem, but it's denying it a place of influence. And that is what joy does, that is what hope does. We live in reality. We understand and come to terms with that which we are living in, the pain, the suffering, the grief. But yet, we say to that pain and trial, "You you have no hold on me and you do not determine my joy. That is what it means to walk in defiant joy. See, the biblical command of joy isn't a call to stir up positive emotions or live in blind optimism it is a call to live in a perpetual state of hope and that hope when it's built when it's it's formed deep within you it naturally produces the feelings of gladness of happiness of contentment to enter into joy we first have to confront and face reality next we struggle right with the challenges that we face no, we talked about it for, the, for a few weeks ago. This need to lament, this need to grieve, this need to present even the most negative of emotions to God and allow His Spirit to comfort us. Most of the time we don't experience the Holy Spirit as our comforter. It's because we withhold these feelings of grief, of pain, of anguish from Him. But our encouragement to you is this time even as you face reality to bring to God these negative emotions, these feelings of pain, of hurt, of disappointment, and allow His Spirit to meet you right where you're at. The next step is this, is for us to surrender to God's purpose, to God's will, right? You know, in a secular society, planning has often taken the place of hoping. Or as Eugene Peterson puts it, eschatology has been taken over by strategy instead of hoping for God's future we make plans for our own future and what we're experiencing right now is disappointment is distress is despair because many of our plans have come to not many of our plans are not in effect we are in this place of distress and despair because much of what we built has come crumbling down see planning is often our attempt to control our future based on prediction and to shape our future to match our own desires whereas hoping is an act of surrender to God it is an act of surrender that's based on a deep confidence in God in his nature in his love toward us in his character and in his involvement in the world and we are called to be a people of hope to surrender to God to cast our cares our worries our anxieties even our plans to God and trust In his good nature it's in surrendering our plans our desires our needs or in the words of Scripture to cast our cares to God that we truly experience joy Philippians chapter 4 says this in verse 6 do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with Thanksgiving present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus Notice in that text how Paul connects the dots between anxiety, gratitude, and peace. So the way we combat anxiety and enter into peace is not so much a change of circumstance. Paul didn't say, when the outcome is favorable, then you will have peace. He says this, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, surrender it to God, and then the peace of God, which surpasses, which transcends all human understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Because here's the truth, anxiety is a grasping of control for what we do not have in the future, whereas gratitude is giving thanks for what we do have in the present. And the way we combat anxiety, right, this urge that we have in our hearts to drum up, to imagine of a future scenario apart from the wisdom apart from the voice of God apart from the leading of the Spirit is by practicing gratitude is by anchoring our bodies our souls our minds in our present reality and what God is doing in this time we have to let go of outcomes we are not in control of what happens in the next day and in the next and it's in surrender and relinquishing our control that we enter into joy the next step is this he resolves he determines in his heart to do God's will to move past his reluctance and discomfort to do his will, to do his father's will. And perhaps what we need to do in this time is to discover and do God's will, right? To move past our discomfort and live into God's purpose. James says this to us. He says, to consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. Notice he does not say, it is pure joy. He says it's, it's to consider it pure joy, to view your trial, your circumstance, your pain through the lens of, of joy, to find purpose and meaning even in the midst of pain. Viktor Frankl, who wrote the book uh, man's Search for Meaning, is a psychiatrist who lived through Auschwitz. And he makes this uh, stunning observation in this book uh, where he notes that the men who lived through Auschwitz, who survived the concentration camp, weren't necessarily the fittest weren't necessarily the smartest but they were men who found meaning who found a purpose for their pain that they were able to envision a future a hopeful future that quite literally pulled them out of the hellhole that they were living in and perhaps in this time what we need to do is to resolve in our hearts to find God's will to discover his will even in this time to view it as a gift of sorts and that is what is going to produce this kind of joy in us right scripture tells us that he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies which says to me that you know in the most trying of circumstances, there is this divine possibility of nourishment of sustenance even when i'm in the presence of my enemies but it also says to me this that in circumstance in trials we will experience god And know him and meet with him in a way that we cannot do that we cannot uh, come to in a time of peace and prosperity perhaps our prayer in this time shouldn't just be God deliver me but it should you know at times sound like God form in me work in me accomplish in me stuff something that you couldn't do that, that I couldn't come to in a time of peace and it's when we embrace these various stages right facing reality struggling surrendering and resolving in our hearts that we enter into defiant joy because joy isn't something that just happens to you right but rather something that emerges within you is something that we have to intentionally cultivate in our souls it is not so much built on external outcomes but it is an very much an internal reality it says this in proverbs that a joyful heart is like good medicine Joy is not just an emotion, it is an overall condition of the heart. And in order to get this, we will have to cultivate this. This won't be our default state. If we are left alone and if we live by the flesh, we are going to default into despair and grow disillusioned and become increasingly blinded to what God is doing and accomplishing. Paul says this in Philippians, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. When when he pens, when Paul pens the word content in this letter, he uses the Greek word which means sufficient enough. I have enough, I am enough, and God is enough. So Paul teaches us that contentment is not so much a disposition that you're simply born with or a result of favorable circumstances, but it is very much a skill set that you cultivate and acquire. I have learned to be content. And you can learn to be a person of joy in a time of circumstance. And a practice I'd like to call us to, even as we draw this message to a close, is I'd like to call us to the practice of gratitude in this time. I believe this is going to be really helpful for us to grow into a people who exhibit a kind of defiant joy in a time of despair. Brene Brown says this about gratitude. She says that people who have the capacity to lean fully into joy have one variable in common they practice gratitude she goes on to say this that without exception every person i interviewed who described having a joyful life or described themselves as joyful actively practiced gratitude and attributed their joyfulness to that practice now if i asked you today to sit down and write a list of 10 problems in your life and then write another list of 10 blessings in your life which list would be the easier list to write? I'm sure all of you would say the list of 10 problems is so much easier, right? We've been conditioned almost to think negatively, to think critically, to, uh, to pick out our problems, our circumstances, and eclipse uh, much of what God is doing, and much of uh, the favorable things, the blessings that we have going on in our lives, and gratitude subverts that impulse. A few weeks ago, I had a call with a pastor friend in New York City, and I was talking to him about our church. You know, he, uh, of course, you know, is going through a tough time as a pastor, pastoring in the city like, like New York. And we're just talking about some of the challenges that we face. And I shared a bunch of uh, my challenges, and he shared with me uh, how he's pastoring a church right now that uh, has seen 30% of his congregation congregants are laid off uh, he has had many of his congregants uh, contract COVID-19 some have died and learning and discovering what it means to lead as a person of faith how, how to uh, navigate through this circumstance and challenges as a Christian has been so challenging and as I was hearing uh, much of what he was saying I was filled with compassion in my heart uh, you know for uh, him and what he's going through but at the same time I also was filled with a sense of gratitude, a sense of gratitude of what I do have in the present, a sense of gratitude for uh, my family, that they are, they are safe, they are well, a sense of gratitude for the city that I'm living in, a sense, a sense of gratitude that I'm surrounded in this time, and I believe like many of you, uh, I'm realizing right now how many things I actually take for granted, right? How many things I actually take for granted? And a few questions to we'll ask ourselves, perhaps on a daily basis is this, do you have money in your pocket? Because over three billion people live on less than $2 a day. Do you have clean drinking water? Nearly one billion people on the planet do not have access to that. Are you alive with food in your stomach? More than 30,000 children die every day from starvation. And are you reading the words on the screen? Because one out of every five humans are illiterate. Because here's the thing, gratitude is all about perspective. We are blessed, never forget that, never stop thanking God for his grace. And the line that I've come to love uh, that, that someone said even this time is that we are all in the same storm, but we are in drastically different boats. We are all experiencing much of the turmoil that this uh, this disease, this condition has has brought to our human society, but we're all in drastically different boats. And many of us are, are safe, are warm, are healthy, are whole, are financially okay, even in the midst of this storm. And you know, as we hear of these stories of people going through some of these hellish situ- situations, circumstances, it puts compassion in our hearts, but it also gives us perspective such that we may be grateful as a people. Daniel chapter 6, you know, it, it says this about Daniel, that while he was in captivity, Daniel was, was taken into Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. And it says this, that while he was in captivity and under the oppression Of a foreign rule it says that Daniel three times a day will get down on his knees pray and give thanks to his God notice that Daniel did not pray a prayer of lament or even a prayer of deliverance Daniel's impulse in his heart in a moment in a time of anxiety was to fight it with gratitude with Thanksgiving in his heart And it wasn't just a spur-of-the-moment kind of decision. He planned it. He put it in his schedule. He structured and incorporated it into this day. Three times a day, he would give thanks to God. And we typically think of gratitude and thanksgiving as something that occurs when something good or noteworthy comes into our life. But for Daniel, this was a daily practice, even whilst he was under captivity so perhaps there's something about gratitude this practice of gratitude that will keep us in a place of peace of joy even in a time of anxiety right the bible notes that uh, the children of israel when they were traveling and traversing through the wilderness uh, there was a moment in time where they complained right they murmured they were upset over uh the food and they complained to moses there's no bread there's no water we detest this miserable food and they spoke about going back to egypt and all of a sudden you know even as they were were complaining and murmuring and 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 griping uh Venomous snakes uh, emerge from the ground and begin to bite people, they bit people, and many of the Israelites actually died in this time. Now, uh, snakes uh, are a good kind of picture or representation of the demonic in Scripture. Complaining is what attracted that kind of demonic activity, right? That, that it, the snakes emerged from the ground and was attracted to their complaining, to their murmuring, to their griping. But what if we inverse that? What if we inverse that and ask the question, what actually attracts the angelic? What attracts the activities of God? I'll put it to you that praise and thanksgiving is what attracts the angelic, the activity of God, because complaining is to the devil what praise and thanksgiving is to our God. While many are complaining, murmuring, and expressing their doubts and fears, as Christians, we subvert much of what we see in our current cultural climate, by being grateful by practicing thanksgiving so this week i want to call you to create a gratitude ritual this is a daily habit of practice or practice of gratitude it is for you to draw attention to the things for which you are grateful perhaps it could look like you writing them down every morning and sharing it with your family at night over dinner it could be waking up and greeting the day with a prayer of thanks of a gratitude. It could be even looking out the window, observing the sunrise or sunset, whether you're a morning, evening person, and just thanking God for his creation, for the air that you breathe, for the stability that you feel in your life. Uh, a friend of mine you know, would even set an alarm all through the day. This is an alarm that will ring uh, every two hours all through the day, and he would stop. Uh, regardless of what I was doing and just offer thanks and praise to God. But what I'm calling you to in this time is to structure, to incorporate gratitude into your lives. And I believe, I believe it's going to preserve us in this time of despair, of anxiety, much like Daniel did, right? To structure it, to put it into practice. Do not think of gratitude as something that just occurs when something noteworthy comes in your life to not live it up to wimp and fancy but to practice it and i believe that the practice of gratitude is what will cultivate joy in our lives david Steinross, a catholic theologian says this that it is not joy that makes grateful makes us grateful it is gratitude that makes us joyful the practice of gratitude invites joy into our lives Willard says this, that we must arrange our days so that we are experiencing deep contentment, joy, and confidence in our everyday life with God. We must arrange our days. We must make changes into our schedules, incorporate practices such that we may live into deep contentment and joy. Close off with a story. It was a mission trip uh, some time ago. And on that mission trip, uh, we lived in a host Now, this was in a third world country, we live in a host home and our host told us uh, the first day we got into uh, the compound that uh, at night uh, past 7pm uh, all the lights will be off uh, there will be no electricity and so uh, we lived in that kind of condition for uh, almost two weeks and so all the electricity will be turned off um, there was no power, no fans, no nothing and we slept uh, in that kind of heat uh, and you know, we, we just lived without electricity uh, for a good period of time and you know uh, one night I, I went out with my friend and we got onto the roof of the compound and we saw you know out uh, around us you know it was all complete darkness all the houses had no electricity as well but we saw one house out in the distance uh, that had that still had his lights on he had his lights on and uh, we could see the owner uh, uh, from from afar and you know, we could see that he was in there he had his fan on he was cool and he was also watching television he was watching tv uh, even uh, as houses around him were all dark and without electricity and the reason he was able to do so enjoy the fan watch tv was because he had a generator he had his own generator and he would turn it on every night and the generator gave him electricity and he lived in that kind of comfort and that's why i believe we are called to be as the people of god in this time to have light in the midst of darkness where much of the world and its systems of happiness have come nothing when it almost feels like we are living under a blanket of despair as the people of god we are called to be powered by our own generator by an internal reality that produces the deep fruit of joy within our souls even in the time of despair even when stuff all around our circumstances pain trial tragedy are saying to us you don't get to be happy you don't get to be joyful you don't get to be hopeful in this time we know different we have access to a power, a hope that far eclipses, goes far beyond the systems of the world, far beyond the powers of this world. We have a hope, a secured hope, that there is good, there is more to the story. And it's because we have that hope that we can walk in joy, a joy that is defiant. So the way I believe we cultivate this kind of joy that is resolute, that is resilient, that is defiant in this time, is through the practice of gratitude where we choose to ignore our human inclination to complain, to murmur, to gripe, and practice gratitude, to offer thanks and praise to God. Now, I believe with all my heart that complaining is to the devil what praise is to God, that complaining attracts the activity of the demonic, but as we praise, as we offer thanks, we are attracting the activity of God into our lives. And so let's believe that even as we practice gratitude, God is doing a deep work in our hearts, in our lives, even as we partake in the simple act of giving thanks for what we do have in the present. Know that it is reaping a far greater spiritual harvest than you and I can possibly imagine. And believe that even as we come to God in thanksgiving, that he would put in us, cover us with a peace that transcends all human understanding, one that guards our hearts and minds in this time of despair and crisis. Let's be a thankful and joyful people. Let's pray even as we close. Father, indeed, we thank you for this day. It is indeed the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad. In it. God, we thank you for what we do have in our lives. God, we thank you for our jobs. We thank you for our families. We thank you for stability. We thank you even for the air that we breathe, the food that we get to eat. Lord, we thank you for all these things. God, we pray even in this time where much is telling us that we cannot be happy and joyful as a people. God, we pray that you give us the grace, the resolve to not partner with despair, to not give room and weight to the works of the enemy, but to lean into your spirit, to lean in to the work that you're doing in our lives, in the world around us. God, help us, To be a joyful people, to be defiant in joy even in the face of circumstance and despair. God, we pray you give us grace. We love you and we're so thankful for you. In your name we pray. Amen.